Good morning, church. That was uh, <laughs> that was tight to hear <laughs> that little amen, right? Man, little youngster giving praise to God. You know, I'm going to just share this real quick because it just struck me so hard. It's like in the moment, I know these things and I've been going through it. But it's like you want to know the key. You want to know, know the antidote to being filled all the time is that when you're in a very low place or a dark place, praise and worship the Lord. Praise and worship the Lord, right? Because when you begin to praise and worship Him, and it doesn't matter if you can carry a tune like Michelle or not, but you praise and worship the Lord, you get the eyes of your heart off of your circumstances and fixed on Him, and you just get freed up. You get liberated in your adoration, your uh, adore of how great, and we use all these words, majestic, uh, how fabulous our God is. But it truly is liberating. You feel this in the depth of your heart, the ability to freely worship Him. And I guarantee you, every time you do that, you're going to end up on top. It's really a test, right? Because the, the, the Word of God says, will a man rob God? And a lot of times people think he's strictly speaking of monetary things. But what he's speaking of really is, will a man rob me? Will a woman, will a human being rob me of praise and worship? Because he is the only one that deserves it. Amen. And so to be able to be in that place where the Lord's like, yeah, I know you're going through dark times. I know it's difficult, but praise me. Praise me. Not for your circumstances, but for the fact that I'm over and above your circumstances and I will walk you through your circumstances. I will bring you through your circumstances and you'll be like Job. <laughs> you'll go through some gritty times, but you're going to come out on the other end so much better in the long run because you remain faithful and connected to him. Amen. It's great to see uh, brothers and sisters back in the house of God. Keith and Cindy, we're so glad to have you guys back. Gail as well. We're so grateful that, uh, you know, and you, you guys, everything I just shared, you, you have your own tes testimony about that, right? Because you've had to recently walk through certain fires that some of us haven't, haven't had to go through. And, you know, obviously some of those fires, they've extinguished a lot of people, right? And so we're grateful that you guys are, are, are well in your health. And, uh, you know, obviously spiritually, I'm sure you've grown leaps and bounds going through the times that you've, you've been through. Um, you know, I, I ain't going to lie. It's been, it's, been a, it's been a long week. It's been a long month. But, you know, again, uh, coming in here this morning, you know, physically, I, I'm like beat up. I'm only 42 years old, but I'm, I'm like, oh, my gosh, my back hurt, my you know, legs hurt. Like, you know, um, mentally, I'm there. You know, spiritually, I'm there. But as people started to come in. And it's not adrenaline. You know, I did have an espresso coffee. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to give the coffee that much credit. It's the, it's the family of God. It's the house of God. It's the brothers and sisters in Christ. You come alongside other believers and you get invigorated, right? Because the word of God says iron sharpens iron. And it's so true. And, and that's another, another reason why it's so important for us to, to never go off on this thing alone. You know, obviously there's things where we have to gain people's trust and 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 respect is something that's 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 earned 
I believe that. It's not just freely giving because people could trample all over it. But, you know, when you feel connected to, to, to a body of believers, man, stick with these people because they're going to see you through thick and thin, right? They may not be your flesh and blood, but they're your spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ. And that goes a long way because we're going to be in eternity forever together. Amen. All right. I'm, I'm super excited uh, about our study this morning. Um, you know, just the book of Revelation is, is, is such a great book. Uh, obviously, the last book fitted in the Bible. And so you get to see how it all pans out. We we got the cheat sheet. We know how this whole story is going to end. And uh, there's favor upon those of us who call Jesus Christ our Savior and our Lord. So um, we're going to continue on. <laughs> I said it was a two-part series last week. Lord willing, it'll be a two-part series. Maybe a three-part. I don't know how long <laughs> I'll stew on, on this message. But, but, you know, praise God that, you know, I, I believe I, I'm used to preach anointed by the Lord. And so it's not on my timetable. If the Holy Spirit, if I sense the Holy Spirit is showing me there's more that needs to be said on something, I'm going to spend more time on it. Because I think it's as, of a benefit to us as a body of believers and not just to, to merely glance over something. I know Lou told me something a long time ago. And when I started pastoring this church, he said, you know, take small chunks, take small chunks because we can spend. I mean, you can spend months on two verses. Really, you can. I mean, you look at uh, expositions of, of the Bible from different you know, people, you know, down through the ages. And, uh, you know, just uh, at the very beginning, Genesis 1, 1. I mean, people are still debating about that because if people struggle with that in the beginning. Oh, man, in the beginning, God. Well, I thought in the beginning, you know, uh, I don't know, Adam's. <laughs> and mud and big bang and so you know to this day you see people that are still clashing about that but we we can we can spend an inanimate amount of time just on a little portion of scripture so with that uh, lord willing we'll get through revelation chapter 1 verses 14 down through 20 so if you get there and you're able to please stand for the reading of god's word i'll go ahead and read it we'll pray and then we'll just Get into this uh, message this morning. Okay, Revelation chapter 1, verses 14 down through 20. And it says, The hair of his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. His voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Oh, so beautiful, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of of death and Hades. Verse 19. Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that <clears throat> those that are those that are to take place after this. And as for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this wonderful account of humility, humility on the part of uh, the Apostle John and 
the humility of your son, Jesus Christ, the fact that he commands John not to fear, that he recognizes the humility of his servant and what benefits that there are for those who humble themselves before your mighty hand. Father, would you please shed light on your word this morning? May you give us the ability to rightfully divide your word, to have discernment, to to understand the context, not in how our opinions are swayed, but what your word says. May we leave this building with a clear understanding of who Jesus Christ is and how uh, blessed we are to be able to have access to a relationship with him. Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen. All right. So last off, uh, last week, we, we kind of started to unpack this whole uh, situation here of the apostle John writing his account of him literally seeing Christ face to face in his glorified state. We're going to go on into a further description of how Jesus was described to him or what the Apostle John saw Jesus as, right? We're going to see how every component there signifies something very specific and something great of our Lord's majesty. We will also see how John reacted. What was his reaction to actually seeing Jesus in this state? What did he do? And not only that, but we will also learn about what Jesus did in response to John's reaction. And we'll learn about, again, uh, the lampstands and what they represent and how the church is, is, is a fixture in God's plan for humanity. And so um, I believe we're going to leave this message with a clearer, better understanding of who Christ is, of who the church is, and of who we are in Christ. And that, I pray, will motivate you to have feet to your faith and keep it moving, amen, for uh, our Father's business. We have several main points this, this uh, morning, and the first one is this. It's kind of an extension or a continuation from last week, what we didn't get to, but it's this. It says, the detail that is used to describe Jesus Christ, again, once again proves there is no one else like him. It describes uh, his grandeur. Um, the, the fact that he's unmatched, unrivaled by any other king or little G's of the land, right? You know, back uh, east in, in Europe, they, uh, they still use the term Lord for people that are in prominent positions. But that's lowercase l. Shouldn't be capital. And it definitely ain't all, all caps because <laughs> all caps regard, re- refers to uh, the Lord speaking of himself. But uh, Jesus Christ is above any uh, ruler, any significant person in human history who sits on some panel of authority or position or power. So, you know, any pastor, any board member. Oh, it's all good. Hey, little one. That's music to the Lord's ears. Um, you know, he's, he sits above all. He sits above all. Um, the, the Apostle John, he, he went in this portion of Scripture to great lengths to describe how he saw Jesus Christ. You see, it's important... Because, as I mentioned a second ago, each item listed pertains to a specific aspect of Jesus's unrivaled greatness. This is such a beautiful thing. These descriptions are given to the reader to help them understand the scope of Jesus's rule and reign over the entire universe, over all humanity, all creation. Everything is under 
his fingerprint, if you will, so that we people may see the, 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 the magnitude of why he should be praised and worshipped. You know, because a lot of times some people have such a hard time with, well, why should I praise and worship God? I can't even see him. And what I see of him, the church has made a debacle of who Jesus Christ is because the church in some aspects has been a poor representation of who Jesus Christ is. So people base their opinion on that and they say, I don't want nothing to do with Jesus. I don't want nothing to do with the church. Let me remind you, all you have to do is look to your brother and sister in humanity and isn't there nothing but worship going on everywhere in the world? Oh, I have 150 million followers on Instagram because Facebook is now the old thing, right? I read an article where the younger people, more like your age, they are all about Instagram. They are not really on Facebook. Facebook is if you are on social media. I don't have any social media accounts, but the church account and the Christie runs all that. I don't mess with any of that stuff. Um, older people are on all that. But, you know, that's the craze right now. Oh, man, my YouTube video. 2.5 million views. I'm making money. <laughs> this, and you know what? Hey, it is what it is. If that's how you sustain a living and it's honest and, and, and it's something you don't have, uh, you know, a conviction about, then, you know, so be it. But what I see is. There's an undertone of worship going on there because people want to be elevated. People want to be lifted up. And other people, unbeknownst to them, are looking for something to worship. You guys know I'm a sports guy. There's a few of us in here that are sports guys, right? Fan, what is that short for? Fanatic. There's some people that are fanatics. Now, I'm a Niner fan. I'm not a fanatic. Because if I was a fanatic, I would have said churches not going to happen today service <laughs> we're not going to have zoom because i'm going to watch the 49ers play because they're playing i think they're playing at 10 a.m i could be wrong but either way there's all kind of nfl games going on today and if i was a fanatic that would take control of my life now i do like the niners i won't say i love them <laughs> but i like the niners but there has to be the right uh, things put in the right perspective the right place and jesus needs to sit on the throne of my heart and your heart not anything else I say that just to share that unbeknownst, again, to us, we're looking for something to worship. And people worship things. People pack stadiums on Sunday, every, every Sunday for the fall. And that's their church. And football is their God. And there's many different things that take that form. But Jesus Christ should be the only one worthy of praise and worship, regardless of how mankind has misconstrued who Christ is and, who, and how mankind has tainted the message of Christ, there will always be a remnant. There will always be a true church. I believe this is part of that remnant. I believe this is part of that true church. You look around you. It's a diverse group. <laughs> you got a mixed dude pastor. We're not, we're not the typical church. And this is how it's supposed to be. Because when you go to heaven, it's not going to be typical people. You're going to see that person that was a drug addict. You're going to see that person that was a you know, tax evader. You're going to see that person who had a miscarriage and this and that. And they're going to be saved. And we're going to be wondering, wow, maybe we had it twisted the way we viewed certain people. Because the church isn't just this pretty building. And if you want to dress up, that's fine. But it's not about all that. And it's not about all these rituals. And, you know, <laughs> I got to get sprinkled with water and that means I'm saved. No, no. Those are all rituals and religion. Religion has its place. 
But we have to understand it's all about relationship, not about religion, right? Because Jesus is not about all these little things that we do to try to make ourselves appealing to him. He's like, I already know you. You're a wretch. But uh, it's okay because I cleaned you up. And now you don't have to have any shame. You don't have to have any resentment towards me. You don't have to have any, any guilt. You can come to me and have an unhindered uh, relationship with me. You can be like this with me. And it's not based on your performance. It's not based on the way you look. It's not based on what your past is. It's based on the fact that he loves you and I so much that he gave himself. And for that, that alone, he deserves all praise, honor, and glory. Who cares what anyone else tries to make him out to be? Amen? But that's something that you and I have to decide in our own hearts. And I pray that in the Lord's time, he will bring you to that healing place where you're able to praise him and worship him regardless of what's happened in the past, regardless of what the circumstances look like in your life, that he deserves the seat on the throne of your heart. Okay, the second main point is this, because, you know, I'll end, up going, <laughs> I'll end up going off and we won't even get into the text like we're supposed to. Man, my wife's always like, you preach the intro, you preach the whole message, and then you go and <laughs> you preach the verses. I don't, you know, I don't know. That's just how the Lord wired me. All right, this is the second main point. The right reaction to recognizing the greatness of Jesus Christ. You know, there's two reactions we can have. We can even, we can either, excuse me, be resentful. Oh, no, I refuse. <laughs> you know, that's that pride. That's, 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 that, that's that Lucifer heart. That's that satanic heart. Because that's what he did. He got tired. He said, I'm tired of praising you. I'm tired of walking around with my body made of musical instruments and praising and worship for you and singing tunes to you in the Holy of Holies, he said, I want to elevate myself above you. I want all these angels to worship me because I should be, if not like you, greater than you. And his pride kept him. But the other aspect is to recognize the glory of God. What, what does the text say the Apostle John did when he recognized the majesty, the splendor, the greatness the magnitude of who was standing before him. What did John the Apostle do? Did he run his mouth? Did he say, praise you, Lord? <laughs> you know, did he bust out speaking in tongues? Did he run around the pews? Did he roll around over the place? Did he get slain in the spirit? <laughs> no, he fell down on his face. He fell down on his face. Man, that's a powerful image to get. You see, because... He was quick to listen, slow to speak. Oh, man. He was just blown away by, you know, uh, the majesty of who, who, who Jesus Christ is. I don't know. Who, who was it that wrote, uh, I can only imagine. They did, they did a movie on him. It was a great movie. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's such a great movie. If you haven't watched that movie, watch that movie. I mean, it's, you know, you'll be in tears from the beginning to the end. Oh, my gosh. It just moves you because... You just see what that young, 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 young person went through and, and, and how the Lord used him in so many ways. But I, I share that to say, he says one line in that verse or in, in that song. And he says, I, I can only imagine, you know, what that day will be when I come before you. You know, he says, you know, something to the effect of, am I going to talk to you about stuff or am I just going to be quiet? Am I just going to be in awe of who you are? And, and I believe that 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 instant moment when we go before the Lord, I think it's going to be like John here. We're not going to, we, remember, we got eternity. <laughs> we got eternity to talk to the Lord. But I think in that moment, in that, in that capsule of time, 
where we go before the Lord really face to face and we see him, we see heaven peel back and we see the reality of everything as it truly is and most importantly him, we're going to be dead silent. We're just going to be, and it's more so the manner of your heart, right? Your heart being prostrate before the Lord. Physically, yes, that, 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 that symbolizes something. But you could be laying prostrate on the ground and still have a wicked heart. You see, so it's all about what's really going on in the inner, inner workings of yourself. And the Apostle John just, he was down on his face. You see, falling on one's face was the ultimate sign of reverence and respect. It was a powerful symbol of humility and submission in that culture uh, back then. You see, we don't hear a lot about that nowadays. Because in our culture, oh, it would behoove you <laughs> to, to, to lay down prostrate, <laughs> to humble yourself before someone else. And I'm not saying to worship someone. I'm just saying in general, right? Our whole thing is claw, scratch, fight, kick, kill, if you will, if you need to, to come out on top, right? To, to, to gain, to, to become what is looked at as prominent in society, in our culture, you are supposed to strangle out anybody that's in your way. That's, that's our MO. And the kingdom of God is completely different. He says, you want to be elevated in my kingdom? You want to be risen to greatness and prominence? Get as low as you can, as fast as you can, with the right attitude. And at the right time, the Lord will raise you up. You see, but we have a difficult time with that because pride is got such a vice grip on our hearts. We're so torn between what the Word of God is telling us to do and what society is pummeling in our face day and night. And it makes it a challenge. It's a struggle. But we see clearly from uh, John's response to Jesus Christ that this is the kind of action we're supposed to take. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 28 tells us this. Ezekiel regarded the Lord in the same light. And I'll read it. You don't have to turn there unless you want to. It says, Like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and heard, and I heard the voice of the one speaking. I mean, all you have to do is go throughout Scripture. You see countless uh, accounts of, uh, of, of people that followed Jesus, and this is the similar pattern. <laughs> they fell on their face. They humbled themselves before the mighty hand of God. You know, so for some Christians, they're like, oh, it's beneath me. Oh, I, I don't, I don't get. Yeah, I, I get it. You know, I get it. If, uh, oh man, my my body's arthritic, I can't get down. I get that. We we have people that are like that that they can't get down, or they have some medical. I'm like, I don't want to be legalistic because it's not about that. It's not. Oh, well, if you come to a church service, you're saved. But if I I can't make it to church service, I'm not saved. You know what? If Jesus is omnipresent and he's sovereign over all things don't you think he knows everyone's particular situation so does that mean only if you're in this building you're safe that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard of in my life i'm not talking about that what i'm talking about is when you have the ability the ability the god-given ability within yourself to humble yourself before the mighty hand of god you should do so and if we're not doing it don't you see a problem with that how if the church is not doing that what was the church doing back in the day we're being more like the world. Oh, those are old ways. Uh, those are old traditions. Those are played out. We got to be progressive now. We got to do the new thing. We're the new church of Jesus Christ. 
That's a bunch of hogwash. It's from the pit of hell. It's a satanic lie that's trying to get your mind deceived into thinking you can alter the word of God to your liking. But that's, that's what Satan does. He gives a whole lot of lie with a little bit of truth. And like we always say, if you're not in the word like yourself as a Berean every day, you're going to be deceived. But you and I share the same Holy Spirit. You know when I'm telling the truth. You know when I'm lying. Same thing with me to you. <laughs> so if we stick to the scripture, we see a clear pattern of how we should be. It's not archaic. It's a blueprint for you to benefit the most while you're here on earth. It's okay to, to, do, to, to do that. And if you feel more comfortable prostrating yourself in your prayer closet, meaning when you're in the privacy of your own home, then you go ahead and do it. Those are some of the richest times with the Lord is when you're by yourself. You know, it's not to put on a show before people. I've always said, if you're crying and tearing up when there's no one there and you and the Lord are having a moment, you know that's wrong, that's real. Because ain't nobody there to watch you. It's you and the Lord. So those tears coming out, that, that your heart bleeding out, pouring out to the Lord, that is raw, uncut. That's the reality of what's going on with you and him right then and there. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. You see, this whole thing of conducting ourselves in a way where our hearts lay prostrate before the Lord, this happens by making sure that our actions are in alignment with what we profess with our words. Because like I said, it's not just merely about physically getting on your knees, physically getting on your face. Because you could have a wicked heart and do all that mechanical stuff. That's what the Pharisees did. Outwardly, oh, I carry my Bible, got my long hair. <laughs> I wash my hands in that weird way where it's got to, you know, trickle down my hands. And, you know, I stand on the street corners and, you know, talk and praise the Lord. Those are all rituals. But inwardly, their hearts were so wicked. What does Jesus say? The cup. It's shiny like a spinner. I'm dating myself. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about still. You know, the spinners. <laughs> this is when the hot boys were in. I'm, I'm referring to urban rap. The spinner, the rim, it's so shiny. But, you know, the inside, Jesus was saying, this cup, the goblet is so shiny, gold rubies all around it, looking like, uh, you know, the Vatican. I'll use that. I will use that. I'm not attacking. I'll use that. But the inner workings of their hearts are so wicked and nasty and messed up and all gunked up. He's like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be real. <laughs> Long weekend. That's why I got a hat. No lineup. Not shaving. Wearing a hoodie. But you know what? And I'm not saying my heart's all pure like I am not a sinner. But what I'm saying is it's not about my appearance. It's not about my appearance. It's about the inner workings of my heart. It's about my character as a man. Am I a man after God's own heart like David? Or am I outwardly projecting all this, but inwardly I'm a ravenous wolf ready to feast on any person alive? Again, that's a satanic spirit. You see it all around you. People that will stop at nothing to benefit themselves because they have an unclean heart. All right, this is a beautiful thing. This is the third main point. Jesus's response. Oh man, this is a beautiful thing. Jesus's response to the Apostle John's humble heart. You see, it's very important for us to notice the Lord's response to John falling on his face before him. Remember, John, oh man, why does the ghost fell down at his feet? Didn't even say a word. I mean, that's as humble as you can get, right? Jesus Christ knows the hearts of men. 
He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's sovereign. He knows things. He knows the full scope of everything before it even happens. It hurts my brain even trying to comprehend it because I can't. My, my, my brain is, is finite. You know, that's why I get a migraine trying to uncover these things. But the Lord is all-knowing. And he knows John's position of humbling himself was genuine. Again, he knew. He's like, my servant's heart is right. He doesn't have a wicked motive. He's not a ravenous wolf in sheep's clothing trying to present himself in a humble way before me. But no, he's truly a humble man. He's truly been humbled by the Holy Spirit. And he recognizes me in, in, in my splendor of who I am. So he, so he, he places, speaking of Jesus Christ, he, he places his right hand upon John. And what does he tell him? He told him, don't fear. John, don't fear. Oh, man. Those of you of, uh, that are parents, you remember a time when your children were little, whether it was a boy or a girl. I don't even go there. That's a, that's a snide comment. A boy or a girl. And, 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 and something happened, and they were scared to death of something. And what did you do? You comforted them. You assured your son or your daughter it's okay. <clears throat> you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Daddy's here. <laughs> Mommy's here, right? This is the same concept we're getting here with Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's telling John, hey, your Savior's here. Your God is here. I'm here. I'm not condemning you. I'm not condemning you. I'm telling you, have no fear. You see, the Apostle John was received with mercy and grace and encouragement. Oh, man, how much do we, of that do we need today? Mercy, grace, encouragement as the body of Christ. We need that. You see, John was reassured of who Jesus Christ was and is and will be, the ruler and controller of all the earth. Oh, man, so beautiful. All right, let's go ahead and unpack these verses now. So 14 down through 16, it says, this is all going to be a description of how the Apostle John saw Jesus Christ. It says, the hair of his head were white, like wool, like snow. His eyes were like flames of fire with his feet. Excuse me. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roaring of many waters. Man, who knows what that might have been like. That might have been like him hearing a tsunami. Oh, my goodness. I would never want to be on an island when one of those tsunamis. Remember Japan got hit a while ago? Tsunami. Oh, man, wipe you out. That's power. That's power right there. Uh, verse 16, it says, In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Oh, my goodness. I'll get to that point in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm so excited. Okay, we're going to start off with his head and his hair were white like wool. Okay, the white hair, it speaks of old age. It's therefore in that culture connected with the idea of great wisdom and timelessness. Oh man, great wisdom. Fred, you got great wisdom. You do, right? In the Jewish culture, that's how they would regard it. Betty, you, you got wisdom. Cindy, you got wisdom. Gene, you got some wisdom. I got a little patch of wisdom, right? <laughs> I think my beard, my facial hair got more wisdom than any other part of my... Anyways, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, this is how it was regarded in the Jewish culture, right? America, what do we do? <laughs> We're like, man, you, you're old, you're frail. I got, I got 
three kids. I got a full-time job. I got a wife. I got a mortgage to pay off. You know what? We're going to set you up in a nice senior living setting. And, you know, we're going to do And, you know, I'm not trying to bash because I get it. You know, I get it. Circumstances of life sometimes call for us to get assistance outside of our own family. Again, what I'm talking about is the heart behind it. We don't regard old people the way we should. How many times do you see someone opening up the door for someone, for, a old, for any person, let alone an older person, to walk into an establishment? Man, these kids are so rude and disrespectful. I'll run around smacking people upside the head. You ain't got no respect. You ain't got no regard. Your upbringing was horrible. You don't open the door for no... That's a, that's a sign of humility before someone else. It don't care who it is. I don't care if it's your grandmama. I don't care if it's the lady. You don't even know that. Just pump gas. There should be a level of reverence and humility and respect. And we're missing that. We're missing that so desperately in our culture today. I don't want to get into it because that's a whole other message. But it's upon the family. Raise your kids in the fear of the Lord. And they're going to go right no matter what happens. Don't put it on the church. The church is like a supplement. The Bible says men... Ooh, it gets, I don't want to get into it, but it gets raw because I've been convicted of that. Men raise your children, not mommy. Mommy got her own fair share of stuff she's got to do. I know it's a joint effort, but men, you better be cracking open that Bible. <laughs> Having that sit down with your kids, living it out as far as how they see your, your conduct. Man, my daddy says one thing in the Bible, but man, he's cursing up a storm over here and doing all kind of other stuff. There need to be it lined up. Men, you got a big responsibility, man. Big responsibility, and you can't do it on your own. That's why you got to have the Holy Spirit living within you. That's why you, it's best for you to have a helpmate, right? Because it's very difficult. You know, I'm not that deep in the game, but trust me, I understand. I can't raise no kids on my own. Oh, I can't. <laughs> I'd be wiped out. I only got two. <laughs> oh, they knocked me out dead. I am so grateful for my wife. She does so much. She does so much. She's such a strong woman of the Lord. And, and, and this is a side note. But your spouse will be that instrument that the Lord will chisel you down with and build you back up. Because <laughs> your wife or your husband will be the ones to tell you something that no one else will have the, dare have the audacity to tell you. And mean it with <laughs> oh so as much sincerity. Working on that last nerve that's already dangling by a thread. And they'll sever that last nerve with the truth. And you got to respond in humility and <laughs> say, honey, I love you, <laughs> but I'm so very mad at you right now. But uh, all right, to get back to the wisdom of the white hair, the phrase white as snow awful also, excuse me, emphasizes the idea of purity. Isaiah chapter one, verse 18 tells us, come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, though they are Red like crimson, they shall become like wool. The white hair and head is also connected, Jesus, with the ancient, uh, with ancient times. You can read about that in Janu- uh, Daniel, excuse me, chapter 7, verse 9. You see, when we see, uh, what we see in this picture, uh, his head and his hair white like snow, it's evidence of his glory. The whiteness and the splendor, if you will, of his head and hair, Bible scholars believe, come from the rays of light and glory which encircle his head, darting around him from all directions. Again, this is, you know, you can't read too deep into it because it's just kind of what these scholars try to understand. Remember, our minds are finite, but 
in the sense of, my gosh, your head's white like snow. You know, how can it be that this is the way it is? It's because, remember, when we, when we get to heaven, there is going to be no physical sun anymore, right? We understand that, right? That's what the Bible is clear of. Because Jesus Christ is the light. The, the, the Trinity, they are the light. There will be no darkness. There will be no nighttime. The emphasis of who they are so encompasses heaven that they are <laughs> illuminating beyond any kind of solar power, any kind of you know, light we could create with our own human ingenuity and wisdom given to us by God. He supersedes that infinitely. Oh, man. Again, it hurts my brain really trying to comprehend it. Uh, he uses the foolish things to confound the wise. Trust me, I'm a fool. I've embraced it. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> because his strength is made perfect in my weakness. So as I stand up here weak and frail before you, he makes me strong in him. And it's the same for you sitting in the chairs. You see, imagine seeing Jesus Christ in all his glory shining brighter than the sun. We all know. Were you that kid when they par- your parents told you, do not stare into the sun? <laughs> Don't stare. You're going to go blind. Were you that kid that ran outside the house and, without sunglasses? <laughs> I'm going to do it. Ah, you can only stare for so long. Or what's even worse is an eclipse, right? You stare at an eclipse, you can go blind, right? Is that, is, is that, is that a wives' tale or is that true? If you stare at an eclipse without certain kind of you know, uh, covering over your eyes, you are going to go blind. So, okay, that's just with the physical things that God created. Now imagine him being light. You know, how much more can we not look directly at him, especially with the heart bold, proud, oh yeah, I've done work. I work with special needs kids. <laughs> I've heard people say stuff like that. Oh, I mean, I earned my wings. What? You earned your that's just what you do. That's just, that should be an outpouring of just the goodness of what God did. And so you do that just because you do it. Not because, oh, I, I, this person can't wipe their butt. I got to wipe their butt. So that's how I made my way into heaven. It doesn't, you don't get brownie points. Anyways, let me go back to it. You can't, you can't look at him like that without being blinded. You see, you can't stare directly. Just like you can't stare at the sun directly physically without going blind. Spiritually, you can't stare directly at the Son of God without humbling yourself into submission. And this is why the Apostle John was in the position he was in, because spiritually he humbled himself before the mighty hand of God. He recognized who he was. And he said, you know what? All praise, honor, glory be to you. And I'm going to honor you and respect you. And I alluded to it this morning, no matter what your circumstances are, you take that road, you're always going to end up better off in the end. Oh, Lord. Life is super difficult. My wife divorced me. I'm late on payments. My, my children are astray and they're prodigals. I'll praise you all the more because you're worthy of praise and honor and glory. You live with an attitude like that. You just wait on God's timeline and see what he begins to do in your life. You're going to end up in the end better off if you said, no, now I have a clutch fist towards you because you took away my wife. I can't pay for my house. My children are gone. I was a good Christian and my children are prodigals. You raise your hand in defiance towards God because of your circumstances. You will end up on the short end of the stick every time I guarantee you. I guarantee you. And you're going to live with a bitter heart. Nobody's going to want to be around you. You're always sulking and sour like a sour patch kid. There's no love in your heart. You're bitter. You're upset. You're frustrated. I get it's not easy. I'm not trying to say it's a walk in the park. What I'm saying is, the humility of oneself to humble themselves before God 
He will change, maybe not your circumstances, He's going to change your perspective. It's all about perspective. If you, if you and I stay focused on the things that are going on in the world, you're going to be depressed. You're going to, be, you're going to hate life. You're going to say, this life sucks. And yeah, I'm just going to go to Vegas and party it up. Why not? I got nothing to live for. Might as well drink some booze and see some naked people and gamble. Maybe I'll get rich. Maybe the Niners will get to the Super Bowl with Trey Lance. I mean, that, that's what happens to us when we lose hope. And I know it's funny because it re- it's relatable. We know these things happen. We may at some point have even been in that mindset ourselves. Hopefully they don't get in an accident. <laughs> All right, I, I got to stay on track. I'm sorry. I'm having too much fun up here. His eyes were like flames of fire. Oh, this is so good. I, I, we may only get to just the description, man. Whatever, Lord, it is what it is. I'm in no rush. If you, you, you know, whatever. It's all good. It's on your time, not mine. His eyes are like flames of fire. Fire is associated with the judgment of Scripture. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 7 tells us, But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Oh, man. We know that in Noah's day, right? God was like, man, I'm super depressed. Not, not, not depressed, but he was sad. You know, his heart was broken that his creation was in so much debauchery and wickedness. He said, you know what, I'm going to destroy destroy (laughs) y'all. I'm going to just filter out this nasty world that uh, people have inhabited. And, you know, found favor with Noah and his family. So y'all going to live. I'm going to repopulate the earth through you. But he destroyed the earth through what? Water. Right. Water. Right. He flooded the earth. The next time he comes... It ain't going to be water. And that's a whole other subject. The whole rainbow. Upside down bow. God's pointing it up to heaven saying, I'm not going to do That's what it is in its context. Correctly. That's what the rainbow represents that you see in the sky after a rain. God's saying, I will never destroy the earth again like I did in that manner. And now we got people that say, oh, I'm taking those colors. That's so satanic. Because that's what Satan does. Do we, do we understand this? That he will try to make a mockery of what God suggests as one thing. He turns it on its head. That's what Satan does. And that's why you see this whole group of people carrying around that flag, have no concept of what that really originated from or where it came from. But they're using it as a way to disgrace God. Unbeknownst to them, I, I think that there's plenty of people like that, honestly, that they're truly genuine. You know, and, you know, they, they truly believe they are who they are and, okay, whatever. But they're so misguided and misled. They have no understanding of where this rainbow colors come from or anything. And they don't even realize that they're participating in debauchery in that manner. All that to be said, when he comes back, it ain't going to be water. <laughs> He's going to burn this world. Imagine California, but the whole world like that. But all of California, it's already bad enough we got all these wildfires. I'm talking about this whole, <laughs> I can't even imagine that. You know, you're going to need 15 masks over your face to, to, to keep yourself from breathing in the fumes of, of all that sulfur. And just, it's not going to be a good look. But, but he's going to judge the earth with fire the next time. And this again reveals why we are caused or should be caused to humble ourselves before him. Because he knows all. Because he's all knowing. He's a true and knowing living God. The only one is true and in, true and true, excuse me, living God, 
He's not a little statue made of wood or bronze. He's not some demigod. He's not some little god, lowercase g. He's not some god where, oh man, I got to (laughs) work. I got to trek to Mecca every year. You know, even what the the Jews used to do. Oh, I got the day of atonement. (laughs) I got to come bring an animal, kill this animal. And that's going to take away my sins for just this year. No, man. He said, I gave my son as a ransom for many for all time. All you have to do is receive, humbly receive the gift of salvation that he offers. And you're good. He's the only one that offers that. Every other world religion, it's all work-based. It's all me. I got to work. Do you know how tiring that must be? You have to work so hard. And and I'm not trying to bash Catholics, but I'm going to say it's so work-based. Oh, my gosh. How strenuous is that? How, how sad is that, that when I have sin in my heart, I got to go into a dark, I got to go to a church building. I got to go into a dark room. That just seems eerie and wicked and like, dude, is this S&M or this is weird. What are you guys doing? And this dude has to like hear me share all kind of stuff to him. And then he's going to bless me and say, I'm forgiven. That's, that's so crooked. My discernment meter goes off, like blurring all over the place. That's so not okay. How, how stressful is that? I would be up in that little dark room every day of the week. Pfft, come on, I'm wasting all this gas on that. Man, the veil has been torn. You have unhindered relationship with God the Father. You can go into the Holy of Holies in a sense that you have an unrivaled relationship like this with Him. You can go before the Father anytime in the name of Jesus Christ. That's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. And they say we're heretics. What is, you know, anyways, whatever. Let me get back on track. His feet were like fine brass. You see, since fire is connected with judgment, these feet like fine brass are as if refined in the furnace, right? This is what this represents. Speaking of someone who has been through the fire of judgment and has come forth refined in purity. Our Lord and Savior has been through that refiner's fire. Not that he needed to. He's God. But because of love, he chose to walk through that refiner's fire so that me and you may have unhindered access to God the Father through him and have a right relationship with him. Now being able to be blessed, given the Holy Spirit as the one who would navigate our life until we get to heaven. That's a beautiful thing. But this is the idea of what these his feet of brass were, would represent. You see, brass is a metal connected with judgment and sacrifice. Uh, if you look at ex- Exodus chapter 27, verses 1 through 6, you can just write that down because I don't have that for the, the, the screen for my notes. But Israel's altar of sacrifice was made of brass. It was called the brazen altar. You see, all these things are so beautiful. How it, it just all, like Lego pieces. You know, like a giant Lego set, like Lego Masters. You, you know, I don't watch that, but I've seen little snips. It's some crazy stuff that they come up with with Legos. But the Bible's like that. I mean, my gosh, it all interconnects and weaves together so per- perfectly. And the thread is the, the unbreakable cord of Jesus Christ. But we see how, again, the brazen altar is brought into this whole picture and how it shows us, uh, again, of who Jesus is. Brass is also a strong metal the strongest known in the ancient world. And so that's probably why the Apostle John used this description of brass to describe his feet. You see, therefore, feet like brass are an emblem of the Lord's stability. 
the fact that you're not going to knock Jesus off course. <laughs> His feet are solid. When you stand upon the rock of Jesus Christ, you're standing on solid ground. It's a firm foundation. That's what the word of God says. That's the beautiful picture you see described by the, the feet of brass. Really, we may only get through <laughs> this depiction because it's so good. It's so rich. It, it's, you know, I, I would cheapen the word of God by rushing through this. I hope you guys understand that. So, you know, unbeknownst to me, yeah, we're probably going to only get through this, but it's okay. It's okay. His voice as the sound of many waters. This means that Jesus's voice had the power of majesty of, if you will, a mighty waterfall. Um, just uh, picture anything that just large gushes of water. And, and, and again, this is only just a little description. This doesn't mean what it actually is. I, I, I'm sure John's description, it only goes so far, but what it actually is, I'm sure supersedes that. So we, again, we see the majesty and the power of God in how uh, his voice, the sound of many rushing waters. Okay, next it says, he had his right hand, in his right hand, he had seven stars. The seven stars speaks of the leaders or representatives of the seven churches mentioned here in uh, verse 11 and also in verse 20. The stars are securely held in the hand of Jesus Christ. Since the number seven is completion, we can say that he has the whole church in his hands. The true church. The true church of Jesus Christ. Not Latter-day Saints, but the true church of Jesus Christ. He has securely in his hands. Next it says, Out of his mouth were a sharp two-edged sword. This is a heavy sword used to kill and destroy. Oh man, this is, this is kind of <laughs> old school. Like when they used to gut it out, duke it out like that. There were no guns. Swords. Maybe some bow and arrows, but swords. Heavy sword, like King Arthur, Knights of the Round Table, rip that sword out of the stone. Heavy sword, sword excuse me, used to kill and destroy. The idea of it coming out of his mouth is not that Jesus carries a heavy sword out of his mouth. It's not that at all. It's the idea that the sword... This double-edged sword is the Word of God. The Word of God. Oh, we get that picture, right? When you're really immersed in God's Word, you can't handle it without getting cut. If you immerse yourself in God's Word and you don't get cut to the heart about something, there is a level of pride that is blocking the Word of God to be able to get to you because the word is clear. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts between the bone and marrow. It gets to the heart of the matter. That's why you can read Psalm whatever a million times and get something different out of it every time you read it. Because the word of God adapts to your situation or better yet, your life adapts to the word of God. The word of God is timeless. But as your life changes and your understanding changes and your circumstance changes... The unchangeable truth of God's word remains the same. And if you give it the honest uh, time and effort by clearly looking into the word of God, oh man, you're going to be so blessed. And a lot of times that blessing comes in reproof, correction, conviction. How many times have you read the word of God and you're like, convict oh man, I'm so convicted, Lord. Oh, oh, you know, 
and it'll bring you to tears. How you know when you're honest with yourself, man, how jacked up is my heart? <laughs> I got to get right with my wife. I got to get right with my kids. I mean, I just I have a nasty attitude. Yeah, it's not a therapy session, but <laughs> you know, but this is what the Word of God does because it's it is this 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 double-edged sword. His weapon, and also our weapon, is the Word of God. You know, in, the, in Ephesians where it talks about the full armor of God, that's our only offensive weapon. It's the Word of God. And that's why it's so important that we retain the Word. We, uh, you know, have the Word at our disposal. You hide God's Word in your heart. I mean, I, I would hate, I don't know, but, you know, there may come a time when they start banning Bibles here in America, like they do in China and other places. What are you going to do then? What are you going to do then? <laughs> You know Google already tracks you and all that stuff, right? All these things track you, so they already know all your stuff. What do they say? Oh, you can't. If we find a Bible in your house, you're going to prison. So they find all kinds of Bibles in your house because we're Christians. <laughs> you go to prison. What are you going to cry? Soak? Oh, my life sucks. It's so hard. Hopefully, you would have utilized every, you know, not every Bible, but everyone has their one Bible that's battered and tattered. Hopefully, you've been immersed in that word so much. That it's like when it comes down to it, you don't even really need the Bible. Not, I'm not, I don't want to say that some people say it's sacrilegious. I'm not saying you don't need the Bible. What I'm saying, it's so ingrained in your heart and your soul and your mind that the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance whatever scripture you need at whatever given time. That's the whole thing of hiding God's word in your heart. You understand what I'm saying? Because what have our brothers and sisters in other countries been doing when they, they try to slaughter and kill people for having even, you know, two pages of the Bible? Man. They go off the hook in China. They don't, they don't have it. They don't let you do any social media, none of that. And I'm just saying, you know, one day it may be like that in our own backyard. We better make sure that we have God's word hidden in our hearts because that is our only offensive weapon against the strategies of Satan. Whenever you're under spiritual attack, I guarantee you recite some verse of the Bible that you hold dearly to your heart that you know is true and true, you know. 1 John 4, 18, that's one of mine. Perfect love casts out all fear. Get out of here. It eradicates whatever fear is trying to come out of my mind. I pray that over my children every day. And again, it's not legalism. It's not this ritualistic thing. It's, man, I know that it's real. And Jesus Christ is perfect love, and he casts out all fear. But again, this is the word of God. It's so important, man, that, that sword, your offensive weapon. I'll share an example. Like I said, it's been a draining last few weeks. I think three weeks back, uh, Veronica had a cousin that died. That same week, I found out Saturday that a childhood friend, childhood friend of mine died. Um, and then a week later, two weeks ago, we found out that another one of her cousins, her wife's husband, was induced with a coma because COVID-related, blah, 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 blah. They got him on a ventilator because they think his body's going to, you know, react to the ventilator better with him in this comatose state. We went through all that. And then we moved this week and just all the, you know, stress of, of moving. But I found myself like, you know, Apple's good, <laughs> you know, but it, Apple's not the word of God. I found myself on Apple News all, <laughs> all the time looking at this stuff and check, trying to keep up with what's going on in the world. Man, I was finding myself at work at lunchtime, man, just depressed. Like, you know, 11 o'clock at night, it laying in my bed, you know, looking at Apple News, just depressed, you know, started fearing, man, what's going to become of my kids? <laughs> it's just a hot mess. And then one day, 
You know, the Lord's like, no, you're not going to look at Apple News on your lunch. Go to Romans. <laughs> Lord brought me back to Romans. Just Romans chapter 1. And some may say, oh, it's so depressing. Man, you see all the crazy stuff that's said in Romans? But it's so encouraging. The difference between reading the book of Romans and Apple News. Oh, my gosh. I was so invigorated with hope that there's light at the end of this dark tunnel that we're all in. As as Fred said, we're all in it together. We're all going through something. We're all going through difficult times right now. It's not just you. It's not just me. It's the person on the street. It's, you know, it's every person is going through a, a difficult season in life right now. But, man, it's that word of God. The word of God did so much for me to take me out of that depressive state. And I began to get my eyes and my 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 stare back upon Jesus Christ and not my circumstances. And I was able to praise him regardless of these difficult circumstances that me and my wife and our immediate family are going through at the moment. Philippians chapter four, verse eight tells us. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. Whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's a mouthful, and that's like a whole two-part series in itself, that one verse. If we really hunker down, man, whatever honorable, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever is excellent, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What is he telling you to do? Focus your attention on Christ. Man, you're going to be invigorated above your circumstances. That's a real Christian. That's a real Christian that walks through the refiner's fire, still has to deal with every single emotion that comes with sickness, illness, life, and death, but comes through it in a manner, man, there's just something about them. What is it? It's the Holy Spirit upon your life. It's your perspective on life, your perspective on Jesus, and you get through it so much better. Don't you want to be like that? Because it's not a matter of if, but it's a matter of when are you going to walk through dark times. You better be prepared. You better have your gaze on Jesus. You better (laughs) fix yourself on all these things. You know, Lou Lou commented on, you know, the little verse I send out, you know, whatever. And, and, and this specific verse said, yeah, you know, th- we need this more so than ever. And it's true. We need this more so than ever. Do not let your life be distracted by the clamor and noise of this world. I- I'm telling you, I know it firsthand from my own life. It's draining. It's depressing. It's hurtful. It causes, you know, you wonder why suicide rates are up. You wonder why. I mean, what was it in Oakland last week? They're talking about six people dead in three hours. What the heck are y'all doing? We already know Oakland's hardcore. We already know East Oakland, Fruitdale Avenue, all that stuff. You don't go there. (laughs) You don't go there. You don't got business. No business going there. Don't go there. You better wear a Raider hat. (laughs) Go with a Niner hat. You might get shot, too. But, I mean, our world is bonkers right now. And the Bay Area has always been wacky. The, the Bay Area has always been off the hook. You go East San Jose, same thing. It ain't no joke. You walk down the wrong neighborhood wearing the wrong colors, you're going to get flagged. You're going to get hit up. And it ain't going to be a good look. You know? So I'm saying, focus on the Lord. It just does you so much better. It's truly about what we focus on. It's truly about what we focus on. I still got a few minutes, so it's all good. <laughs> I'm going to end shortly. We're not going to end with the, this, whole, this whole sermon because it just ain't, it ain't, we ain't got the time. 
But back to the double-edged sword. You see, John didn't necessarily see a sword coming out of Jesus' mouth, but he heard him speak and he felt the penetrating power of his words. He felt the penetrating power of his words just by Jesus saying, don't fear. Oh man, that reminds me of when all the disciples were in the boat. It's going crazy. They're frightened for their lives. What does Jesus say? After, you know, Peter does his whole thing, walks out for a little bit, then he sings, ah, you know, he had his eyes off of Christ. He got his eyes on the waves. He fell. You know, but after all that, what does Jesus say? Be still. He told the elements, be still. They shut up. The waves shut up. There wasn't no, there wasn't all this anymore. I don't know if some people like to go on the water. You know what I'm talking about. It gets choppy. <laughs> gets choppy out there. But it ceased. Just that one word or those two words, excuse me, because he's all knowing, all powerful. And this is the same thing with uh, the Apostle John understanding this. He 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 felt the penetrating power of Jesus's words. They were as if a sharp sword proceeded out of his mouth. Again, we talked about this a a moment ago. There's no way of handling this weapon of a double edged sword without cutting yourself. You see, because it has no back to hold it. It has no edges. Anywhere you touch it, you're going to get cut. And it's sharp. You're going to get cut. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What? (laughs) The word of God discerns your thoughts and your intentions. That's pretty, I mean, that's, that's pulling no punches. That's saying Jesus Christ peels back the onion layers of your heart and your life and he knows what's going on. And he's going to expose it, bad and good. So it'd be best for us to allow him to do this work that he does, that he can only do in us, and it will be for our benefit. I got about one more point. We still have about four more minutes, so I'm going to go ahead and do that. I'm not going to rush. I'm not going to (laughs) rush. His countenance was like the sun shining in its full strength. The glory of Jesus is so great, it's so shining, that it's hard to even look upon him. Jesus has the same glory. It was the same kind of glory as in his transfiguration when his face shone like the sun. You can read about that in Matthew chapter 17, verse 2. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. This is so cool. He says, what do you see in Christ's right hand? Seven stars, yet how insignificant they are when you get a sight of his face. They are stars... And they are, there are seven of them. But who can see seven stars, or for that matter, 70,000 stars, when the sun shines in his full strength? How sweet it is when the Lord himself is so present in a congregation that the preacher, whoever he may be, is altogether forgotten. I pray for you, dear friends, that when you, that when you go to a place of worship, always try to see the Lord's face rather than the stars in his hands. Look at the sun and you will forget the stars. Man, that's beautiful. We should always see Christ, not the man when we study the Bible or when we come to a service. You shouldn't be seeing me. You should be fixed on what Jesus is showing you and revealing to you. Everything in this vision speaks of strength, majesty, authority, and righteousness. I'll end with this note and uh, as the worship team comes up. There, there's, there's no... There's no other impressive difference between this vision of Jesus and and the many weak portrayals of Jesus that we see today, except this. 
You see, when we begin to see Jesus as he really is, that means that we're going to see him as he is in heaven. We should consider the fact that when we see these, uh, these things, they're, they're not true to themselves. Um, people want to say, oh, Jesus is black. Or, oh, gee, you know, we got pictures of Jesus with blonde hair and blue eyes. That's all stuff to distract you from what's really going on. There's only one true physical description of Jesus given in the Bible, and that's found in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2. And it says, He has no form or comeliness, and when we see Him, there is no beauty then that we should desire Him. You see, in our modern pictures of Jesus, we like to think of Him as He was, not as He truly is. But many prefer to see, to see Jesus only in the flesh, but when we see Jesus Christ, when he returns, we will see him in his full strength and all of his glory. May we remember that even in his meekness, when he was here on earth, Jesus Christ is at full strength. He's in full might and full power. Let us live today as if we are going before Jesus Christ today and see him as he is. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, just thank you again for, Lord, just this time to, to get in your word and to have you speak through your word to us uh, as far as your majesty, your greatness, Lord, and, and how you love us and care for us and that we don't have to have fear. We can walk in full confidence that as long as we live a life of submission to you, no matter what you allow into our, our lives, it's going to work out. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be troubling times, but we can rest in the assurance that you're with us the whole time. Man, how great it is to be able to call upon the name of the Lord. How great it is to be able to call upon your name and you respond. You actually respond to us. You actually commune with us. Many times it may not be the answer we want, but it's the answer that is best. Father, may we be so in tune with you that we are okay with whatever your answer is to the circumstances of our life. May we find our rest, our peace, our comfort, our hope in you alone. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.